I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I actually have a section of the book called The Introvert's Edge. Um, and it's in the chapter on being social and curious. So one of the other mindsets we talk about is a connector, social and curious. And all of those introverts out there are thinking, well, that's not me. I can't be a connector. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. Some of the best connectors I know are introverts. Um, I think introverts have some natural skill when it comes to connection because they actually prefer the one-on-one. That's where they're better. Well, that's where connection starts. So don't think you have to be the life of the party. Being social isn't being a social butterfly. Um, it isn't working the room. It's putting yourself in a situation in which you're showing interest in another person to connect with them. That's the curiosity piece. And I do think introverts are naturally curious. They love to ask questions. They like to listen. They're actually much better listeners than the extroverts out here. Um, and I can say that I am one of them. <laughs> uh, we, we have an easier time with the talking. Introverts have an easier time with the listening. You do need both. And so depending on where you are is where your stretch and where your growth opportunity might be. How you did, how you did. That was the voice of Michelle Tillis Letterman. Now my favorite thing in the world to talk about is connection. It's what I speak on, it's what I coach on, it's what I craft programs around. You know, connection to self, connection to the world, and connection to others. And today's guest is someone that does just that as well. She's someone who is figured out what the connector's advantage is. And we dive into several ways that you can actually figure out what type of connector you are. And you should definitely get her book. A book is magnificent with this. And we also talk about her journey to her purpose. I think it's interesting that in today's world that is very much defined by fear and ignorance and a lot of division. I think it's interesting to hear how Michelle talks about connectedness and connection in essence. So make sure you keep your ears perked and take as many notes as you can, but also connect with her offline and online. She's got so many pieces of media for you to learn from, and I hope that you get her book, and I hope that you learn, and I hope that you are living your best life. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's guest is Michelle Tillis Letterman, and she's an accomplished speaker, trainer, coach, and author of four books. Four books, including the internationally recognized The Eleven Laws of Likeability. And her newest book, which is coming out now, it is actually out now, The Connector's Advantage, 
Seven Mindsets to Grow Your Influence and Impact is going to be something that we're going to be talking about. She was recently named by Forbes as one of the top 25 professional networking experts. So if, you're, if you've ever wondered what it's like to go into a happy hour or event where you know no one, I think this is an episode you want to listen to. She's a former NYU professor, financial executive, and recovering CPA. She now works with organizations and individuals to help them build real relationships with greater results through her company, Executive Essentials. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. The pleasure is mine. So I'm very interested in in how one just becomes a, a global super connector. That 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 just intrigues me. But were the clues always there for you at a young age? Did you always know that you were going to be this connector? Were you at the playground saying, "Hey, I'm Michelle Letterman"? <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely not. No, (laughs) (laughs) definitely not. Uh, A lot of what I teach, I learned from making mistakes. Mm -hmm. I always say I teach all the mistakes I ever made, and I'm happy to share them so somebody else can avoid them. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm very curious about that because people often have a different relationship with mistakes. Sometimes they make mistakes and then they avoid it, and they don't want to learn from that. But you took the opposite approach. You said you, you learned from making mistakes. What were those mistakes you made that ultimately led you down the path uh, to do what you're doing right now? Oh, God, there's many. Um, <laughs> we got time. <laughs> uh, you know, one that actually jumps out because I was doing a, a class called the Relationship Driven Leader for an organization um, earlier this week. And part of being a relationship driven leader is understanding how to give action-oriented and effective feedback in a way that somebody can hear it. And so I shared with them a story of early on in my career, I was managing people at the age of 22, which just sounds ridiculous to me now. Like, you know, why would they put me in charge? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I was managing a team because back in the days, well, I'm not sure you mentioned this in my intro, but I'm a recovering CPA. Yes. Yes. I, you know, I spent 10 years in finance. And so as an auditor, they really give you uh, project management and and team management very, very quickly. And um, I had somebody who was on my audit who was not the best auditor. And, uh, you know, I gave him this does not meet expectations feedback. And he took it in. And I just kind of hoped he'd never be on my audit again. And when he was assigned to me again, I thought, ah, all right, I'm going to teach him. I'm going to explain. I'm going to make sure I'm going to coach. I'm going to do all these things that I thought were the right things to do. And still, he didn't get it. It didn't go well. It was frustrating. And once again, during feedback time, I told him he did not meet expectations. And the young man began to cry. Wow. And I'm like, oh, I screwed up. Excuse me if I can. I messed up. (laughs) No, you can can say whatever language you want. You can use whatever language you feel like you need appropriate. So basically, you seeing him cry made you just react that way. My seeing somebody cry made me realize I did something wrong. Like Mm. feedback, although it can evoke emotion, um, you know, it can be given in a way that that doesn't make somebody feel bad. And I recognized in that moment that it was my responsibility and and my fault. And so I I left the room to let him recover a little bit. And, you know, I, I believe that when somebody's in that situation, you let them save face. And then I came back and I, I kind of regrouped and, and had some time to process like what I could have done differently. And I came back and I said, you know, I did you a real disservice. There's a lot of things I didn't tell you. I was focused only on the things that weren't working, but 
you know, there was a lot of things that were amazing. You know, your work ethic, uh, the client loved you. You showed up with a great attitude every day. Um, like there was just so many things that were really positive and I didn't mention any of them. And so um, one of my philosophies in life is um, find the good and start with the good. And, uh, you know, I think it was one of those mistakes that really taught me that it isn't about how I'm feeling about it when you're giving information that's important to somebody else. It's how they can receive it. Wow. How they can receive it. And, uh, you know, that's that's such an interesting distinction because when you say how they can receive it, I think a lot of times when people you know, give feedback, they think about, um, they, they think, they think, uh, think about it from the point of view where they're like, I'm doing this, I'm doing you a favor. I'm trying to make you better. And so what are you doing here crying in front of my office or going around gossiping around the place? I was actually doing you a favor. If I was nicer or meaner rather, I could have fired you. So suck it up and go. But you're saying as a connector, you have to be able to read between the lines and understand what really resonates with the person that you're trying to build a rapport with. Yeah, well, what I would say is, first of all, a connector is somebody who is um, relationship focused. They prioritize relationships in their interactions, in their life, in their business, in everything that they do. And so in this situation of giving somebody feedback, putting the relationship first um, and understanding that it's it's a exchange. I always mm-hmm. kind of think about it as a dance in a way. There's a, a movement between the two of you and a give and take and an exchange. Um, and a lot of times people, especially managers, think about feedback is I tell you, you listen. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well then let's segue into the seven levels of the connected. And I was going to wait for this, but I think it's such a, it leads into what levels of connectorship that there can be because I like that you have different levels. So that means that the listeners can understand where they fit into and where they are. And I'm just curious if you could break that down. Absolutely. And I believe that most uh, most everyone is at some level of a connector. There's very few non-connectors out there. Um, those are people who don't even believe that relationships are important. Maybe they they are hermits. You know, like there's very few non truly non-connectors. Um, everybody should probably be at least in that emerging phase where they are infusing some of these mindsets, actions, behaviors, attributes into their interactions, um, but maybe not regularly and maybe not comfortably. When mm-hmm. we start to move up, there's two levers that we we pull. So as we start to get a little bit more comfortable, we become a responsive connector. And a responsive connector is somebody who um, will be absolutely responsive to somebody asking to connect. They'll be absolutely responsive to somebody asking for help, but they haven't yet found their value and recognize that people will respond to them as well and that they can do some of the initiating. So that's the first lever that we pull. Are we just responding or are we also initiating? Once you start to initiate, you are really an acting connector. And that's a fabulous level to strive for. And I think if people are there, you're great. You're good. Um, when, and, and, and that's the next two levels you said, right? The next two levels. So that's the first four levels. And I kind of say everybody kind of falls into there. Now, there is some special types of acting connectors, and that's the other lever you can pull. So when you think about uh, the breadth and depth of your connections, that's what kind of puts you into the upper echelon of connectors. If you have a depth, like in a certain area, a certain industry, a certain geography, um, a certain job function, uh, whatever, a certain company, like you name it. If you think of, have you ever said the phrase, oh, blank knows everyone in blank, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I was I was doing a, a TV show and they said, oh, let us introduce you to Carrie. She knows everyone in media because I was talking uh, about connector and they're like, she is such a, a niche connector in media. And when you have a depth in a certain area, that's what a niche connector is. Um, I use my sister as an example. She, everybody in the real estate foreclosure market in New Jersey knows my sister's name, knows her, knows of her. Um, and she knows them from sheriff's officers to um, it, you like you know, everybody in the courthouse. Everybody knows my sister. And that's yeah. a niche connector. Hmm. When you hmm, go ahead. No, no. I, I was going to say uh, some people. The reason why I, I paused there, niche connector versus uh, breath connector. Some people always have an either or relationship with with that. Is it possible to have both niche and breadth? Oh, absolutely. You can be a niche in certain area, but doesn't preclude you from being a super connector. Um, So it could be, so a super connector also has the breadth. So depth gives you a niche and breadth gives you super. So you can be a super connector as well as um, have a niche in a certain area. A super connector does kind of have you know, connections everywhere. It's up and down the ladder. It's, um, you know, in and out of your uh, industry, of your company. So I know people in fields that I know nothing about. You know, mm-hmm. um, I know people in areas that I've never lived, that type of thing. That is somebody who can access people and information and add value very quickly because they know so many people in so many different areas and can bring in that diverse thought and that diverse information. And when you cross your country's borders, you become a global super connector. That's so true. That's so true. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I know you were going up the ladder there, but I, I just wanted to <laughs> to talk about that because a lot of my listeners always ask, um, well, am I focusing too much in, on niche versus uh, versus depth? But I do think it's possible to do both. And some, for some people, it's possible to just really go down that that, that depth and that might be the best thing for you. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's a great point because I don't think everybody needs to be a global super connector. Right. I don't think most people need to be a global super connector. But what I will tell you is the book is called The Connector's Advantage. And the advantage is simply this. Faster, easier, better. Whatever it is you're working on, whatever it is you're working toward, you're going to get that result. You're going to achieve that outcome faster, easier, and better. Yeah. And the higher up the spectrum you go, the higher a level connector, the faster, the easier, and the better. So that's kind of how it works. (laughs) I mean, it's so funny. I and mean, what you're saying is, I mean, it's, it sounds simple, but it's not always easy to do. And and I think one of the reasons why it's not easy to do, and for those listening, if you read if you read her book, she talks a lot about mindset. And I think the parts that resonated with me um, the most were when you were reframing that idea of scarcity uh, as a, as abundance, essentially. And I, I think that internal battle or dialogue that we have with ourselves. If we're introverts or if we're extroverts, where we say, are we too much? Or if we're introverts, I'm not naturally suited for this. I think that's the part that really uh, sort of makes people scared in all these public environments or in networking events. So I'm curious if you could just talk about those mindsets that can really set us apart as connectors. Yes. And you actually said something else that I want to make sure we come back to is that idea of I'm an introvert or an extrovert, and this is how I'm wired. So make sure we, we circle back because I thought that was a really okay, good point. Okay, I'll do that. Um, all right. So you actually mentioned one of the seven mindsets. So I'll kind of put them out in order. But as you listen to these mindsets out there, understand that they're not linear. They enable each other, but there's not an order with which to do them. So connectors are open and accepting. They have a clear vision. 
They believe in abundance. They trust. They're social and curious. They are conscientious. And connectors have a generous spirit. Those are the seven mindsets that when we adopt, we increase our connectedness. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So you said you started off with open. So let, let's, uh, let's, let's dig in a little deeper. <laughs> so open and accepting. This is the idea that, um, you know, we, we are, we are present. We're like open to, um, learning about other people. We are, um, aware that, you know, we, one of the things I talk about is not just be accepting of other people, but be accepting of yourself. Mm. Uh, we yeah. are, as you were just saying, really hard on ourselves and maybe think a little bit. One of the things I talk about are your unique charms and a unique charm is something I define as a quality about yourself that, um, doesn't necessarily always work for you, but you don't want to change it. Right. So it's who you are. Like for me, I'm, I'm kind of intense sometimes. Uh, I can talk, <laughs> I can talk a little bit too much, a lot, you know, like <laughs> these are some of my unique charms. I, I'm not going to change them, but it doesn't mean I can't be aware of them and adapt them when it will enable me to connect more easily with somebody else. Right. And so that's self-awareness. You really want people to be radically self-aware in order for them to really become uh, the, the best connector they could be. I love that phrase, radically self-aware. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I talk a little bit about emotional intelligence in the book and understanding um, the five levels, self-mastery versus social mastery. And um, self-awareness is level, like the base level, the most important thing. You cannot have EI without self-awareness. So, yeah. um, and so, the, and you can't have social mastery, right? So self-mastery is self-awareness, self-regulation, and self-motivation. And social mastery is about empathy and social skill. One of the things I always say is um, that we need to stay in a place of curiosity and not conclusion. Mm, and it's it. really hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I mean, like, think about it. We are kind of wired to ask questions. We are wired to take in information and we're wired to draw conclusions really, really quickly. And what happens is we have a tendency to believe our own conclusions that were drawn really, really quickly with limited information and then look for data to support that conclusion because we like to be right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So if you can stay open to being wrong and stay in that place of curiosity, then that's the idea of being open and accepting. That enables that connection. I do think it's really kind of foundational. Mm. And, and that, that's really why I love your work and your career. And I, I've been studying ever since um, I got introduced to you. Uh, I was just reading a lot of things that you've done and your background. And it all leads to what you do today. You know, whether it's what you do, you know, uh, you've done a TV, you're one of the professional networking experts. Uh, you've been featured on several publications. It's your ability to be able to, to have that social mastery and personal mastery uh, that comes through. You know, your personality always comes through. You don't sound like a cookie cutter person. You're able to use... <laughs> You're, yeah, you're able to use your personality and infuse that in whatever platform and medium. And your voice is able to to even stay consistent on print, audio, um, and visually. That that ability is is a skill set that does come from understanding yourself and and really feeling confident in that. So I, I love that you touched on 
the need to reframe that, that, that scarcity to abundance and understand that we are abundant as we are. Uh, but uh, another thing that we need to reframe is this idea of uh, what it's possible for an introvert, introvert to be a super connector, right? You talked about that. You said introvert versus extrovert, the myth yes. around that. So can you please elaborate on that? Yes. And by the way, thank you for those kind words. Um, (laughs) And I think, I think as we start to accept ourselves, um, we enable ourselves to show up uh, as ourselves in all situations. And it's actually what enables the connection. Um, So here's what I would say about, I actually have a section of the book called The Introvert's Edge. Um, and it's in the chapter on being social and curious. So one of the other mindsets we talk about is a connector, social and curious. And all of those introverts out there are thinking, well, that's not me. I can't be a connector. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. Some of the best connectors I know are introverts. Um, I think introverts have some natural skill when it comes to connection because they actually prefer the one-on-one. That's where they're better. Well, that's where connection starts. So don't think you have to be the life of the party. Being social isn't being a social butterfly. Um, it isn't working the room. It's putting yourself in a situation in which you're showing interest in another person to connect with them. That's the curiosity piece. Yeah. And I do think introverts are naturally curious. They love to ask questions. They like to listen. They're actually much better listeners than the extroverts out here. Um, and I can say that I am one of them. <laughs> uh, we, we have an easier time with the talking. Introverts have an easier time with the listening. You do need both. And so depending on where you are is where your stretch and where your growth opportunity might be. But start with your strengths. So if you're an introvert, use that listening skill, use that comfort in the one-on-one and use the fact that introverts are not as off-putting. And and not that I'm saying extroverts are off-putting, but extroverts have sometimes larger personalities. Um, yeah. And they're, they're more gregarious and, and, and bolder and boisterous and, and more expressive with their bodies. And that can be a little bit much for some people, even other extroverts. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a pretty high. Yeah, right? I, like, I, I, I relate. Trust me. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, put the two of us in a room and we might be like, whoa, too much, you know? <laughs> um, and so uh, the idea that an introvert doesn't, doesn't make somebody feel that way is another advantage for them. Yeah. And, and that's so fascinating to me because I, I, you know what I've come to realize by myself? I'm an ambivert that presents as an extrovert. I, a lot of times I, you know, I speak off and I'm very loud and, and all of that, but I do find that I, I often recharge by myself. I, you know, I do a lot of things in the house or indoors. I'm, I'm pretty much a, uh, a homebody a lot of times and people assume all those things about me. And I was like, Oh, I do have both of those energies. But one of the things that people did say is what you said. Uh, and they get intimidated sometimes by the fact that it seems easier for me to have a conversation or I have, um, what you said, like I can be too much. Right. So, uh, I, I, that it, reframing it to an introvert's advantage is it's so, is so key. And for introverts to understand that, Hey, you, you'll be easier to approach and someone would tell you more things because they feel like they can relate and connect to you. So use that to your advantage. I love that. I love that we focus on what is working for us, but I would also add stretch yourself. Mm. All right. Mm. So, um, look at what, where your challenge might be. If you struggle in those big environments, don't not go at all. Just go for a little while. <laughs> Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, um, yes. go, go once in a while. If you yes. can be too over the top and too much for people, talk second. You know, take a breath. Allow some silence. And I'll practice that right now and let you jump in. <laughs> okay, look at that. You're so good at this. Yes. First of all, let me practice some silence. And then we'll go back. All right. So the thing that I'm curious about, since we both fascinated with curiosity, is then the common mistakes. I'm sure you and I have seen uh, mistakes that people make from afar. I'm like, ooh, uh, that was not the best way to do that. So what are the most common mistakes that people make when it comes to networking and connecting? Um, Ivan Misner, who is the founder of BNI, has a, a phrase for this. Um, you know, and, and his is a little bit more off color, but I'll, I'll clean it up and say, don't propose on the first date. And um, I, I think the biggest and most common mistake people make when they're connecting with others is that they are out there not to necessarily connect. Um, they, they put it in this network framework. I hate the word network. It has the word work in it. I call it relationship networking, um, <laughs> but they're networking for need or they're networking for now. They're not building connections for life and for long-term. They're there because they need something and then they're looking for the person who can help them with whatever they want or whatever they need. And I think that's a mistake because people feel that and it doesn't feel like you actually want to connect with me. It feels like you want something from me. And it's yeah. not that I wouldn't be willing to give that to you, but like, you know, let's go on a date first. <laughs> yeah. It's not authentic. It doesn't come across as authentic. It comes across as uh, a transactional, essentially. Yes, so, I love uh, yeah. that. That's a great word for it. It becomes transactional. Um, and it, yes, that's, that is, I think, the number one mistake is that um, we think quantity sometimes over quality and we think um, me versus us. Me versus us. Wow. That is so good. It, it, it's it's so interesting because a lot of times I do see people psych themselves out, you know, before they go anywhere. And, and they're like, ah, you know, I, I'm not part of this. I don't make the amount of money that people make here. I, I'm like out of my elements. What would why would someone listen to me? And the thing that I, I realized that many people don't realize is uh, that other people are thinking the same thing. And so <laughs> when you go there, you you are just going to be making it easier for someone by initiating conversation because they'll be like, OK, OK, all right, I'm not alone. And yeah. that just makes the whole night easier. And what I would say to both the introverts and the extroverts is that the responsibility of the conversation is not solely on either one of you. Mm. And I think the extrovert feels like they have to fill up in all the silence. And so they become, you know 
they try sometimes too hard and the introvert is concerned that they will get stuck in the conversation. And so they kind of pull back from it. Um, You know, and so I do think understanding your strength and your stretch is really important. Um, I actually wrote a blog post and uh, I think it was like five tips for networking like an introvert. Um, And and I know you'll have some links up in the show notes and stuff so that people can find their way. Um, But, you know, it gives some ideas of how you can harness your natural introverted energy um, and, and work those situations. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is, this is so important because today we live in this globalized and digitalized world, right? You're someone that travels all over the world. You speak, you've written four amazing books. They've done really well. You've gone from different careers. I'm sure as you go around, you see these things happening on all levels from kids to teenagers to, um, you know, entry level workplace, efficiencies, entrepreneurs, and all these, um, uh, and, and all these levels of life, why do you feel like it's not being taught in our, our schools or the developmental phases of our lives? Oh my God. I was just thinking about this today of like all these programs that they should be in the schools. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, my, I have two sons, one's an introvert, mm. one's an extrovert. Mm. And the advice I give to each of them is very different. So my introverted son will get in the back of, uh, you know, his friend's dad's car and the dad saying, you know, Hey, are you doing anything for a break? And his response is yes. Um, and he'll be like, what are you doing? He's like, we're going away. And he'll say, um, where are you going? And his response is on vacation. Like the dad relayed this whole exchange. And he told me, he's like, he wasn't trying to be a smart aleck. He was really like just giving the answer to the question, but he wasn't opening up for the possibility to extend the conversation. And I think that's something for introverts to think about when you are given that opportunity to speak, provide enough information to elongate and extend that conversation, um, to either have somebody connect to it and share something or have somebody uh, question it and and ask something. Yeah. And it's very, yeah, it's very different from what I would give my older son, which is, um, you know, take a breath. Um, you know, and I say, you know, you don't have to have all the answers and you don't have to be right all the time. Um, and, and so, you know, and that's not just extrovert, it's just his personality. Um, but it's, these are, these social skills are are not built in the schools. And I do think that, um, we see the results of them. I, I think that when these social skills are not built, we have all of these programs that are popping up, like be kind and, um, the inclusion project where nobody should eat lunch alone. And, um, I would even be so bold as to say that I think a lot of these school shootings are a result of not um, enabling connected cultures. I was just going to, I actually was just going to segue into that. I really will. I really was. I was thinking about the, and the bullying that we have online, the bullying that we have in person and a lot of what in, in our work intersects, you and I, our work intersects in the sense like I run a diversity inclusion firm. So I do a lot of um, speaking across cultures and a lot mm-hmm. of times the things that are different are being pointed out and made to um, uh, ostracize people. And it, because of the inability to connect based on something that's different, it you know leads people to feel like, you know, like they can't relate to the, the larger population and then others feel like they're chasing perfection because they're comparing others. And we don't have these communication tools that, that allow people to really see people for who they are. And mm. that then causes people to just create this narratives in the head and it, this whole cycle um, start. So uh, it's interesting that you think that as well, because I've, I've long thought that living in a world defined by fear and ignorance uh, and a lack of connection, 
leads to a lot of the problems we have today. Well, I think um, one of the things I talk about in the last section of the book is how to expand and diversify your connections. We have a tendency to like people like us. I mean, that's the law of similarity from my first book, The 11 Laws of Likeability. We like people like us. It's comfortable. I feel connected. I get them. Um, It's why we form these communities. There's nothing wrong with that. Connect with those people. But I would also encourage you to um, expand and diversify your connections for so many benefits. Um, Diverse organizations create diversity of thought and actually come up with better solutions. When you have diverse working styles on a team, your best collaboration is usually from those different from you. Um, So I think that when we think about expanding, diversifying our connections, one of the tips that I give is to call out the similarities, not the differences. When we approach a situation, it's very easy and very visual often to see differences. Um, our gender, our age, our ethnicity, our whatever. Um, and, and we can see those things. And so we focus on the differences rather than seeking the similarities. And they're there. They are always there. Similarities can be common interests. It could be common values. It could be common experiences. It could be common um, places, common people, common associations. Like there's so many things, but we have to look for them rather than be stuck and afraid because we don't see them immediately. Yeah. Oh, gosh, this is so good. I'm just getting chills and goosebumps listening to you for this. This is this is amazing. Um, this is because all, all this work, like you're saying, and I, and I can't stress this enough, please get Michelle Letterman's book, uh, Michelle um, Tillis Letterman's book, which is The Connector's Advantage, Seven Mindsets to Grow Your Influence and Impact. I'll put that in the show notes. But a lot of what she's discussing here, which is – a lot of internal work, self-reflection, which ultimately will lead to you being a better expressor, um, is, is so key into every phase of your life. Family, um, you know, connections at work, connections on a social level, and just personal development growth. So please, uh, I, I can't stress this enough. But I do wanted to ask this question because I kept thinking about this when I, for, when I asked you about the, the levels of connector. Uh, how does someone figure out what level of connected they are, are at, though? How, how, and how can they know when they need to, to just go up a level? I actually have a quiz. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't well, think you even true. knew that. <laughs> I do. I have a quiz. Um, I am a contributor on Thrive Global, and I think I posted the quiz there. Um, I don't know where else. I think there's a couple of sites that have posted the quiz. It's called What Level Connector Are You? And if you Google that phrase and my name, you will probably find it. And if you don't, um, find me, link into me, and I will help you find it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I'll definitely I'll, I'll look for it and, and put that in the show notes. But it's so important because we've been talking a lot about self-awareness, a lot of you know what you need to do. I think identifying where you are and where the room for growth is is, is the next step to do that. So this is this is awesome. Okay. Um, I want to now go to the, the personal level of your life. So you, you talked about recovering CPA and then you transitioned to, into becoming a very well-accomplished speaker, trainer, coach, and author of four books. How does that transition happen? <laughs> and what was, the, what was the turning point? Because you know when you think CPA, the natural transition is now those things I just mentioned. So yeah, no. I'm just <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so here's the story. In 2001, I got laid off. Um, But prior to that, so, okay, I'm actually going to go back even a little further. You've been mentioning the chapter on abundance a few times. 
And just for people to understand, abundance is the idea that there is enough. Abundance is the idea that just because things aren't good now doesn't mean they can't be different going forward. Um, abundance is the idea that we're not comparing ourselves against other people. I grew up with scarcity. Scarcity um, of something, it doesn't mean it's not real. We identify with scarcity. We all feel scarcity. Um, and that's why this is really a very difficult shift. Um, financial financial scarcity is basically what my childhood was. Um, and I didn't want that. So we often make decisions from a place of fear or as an anecdote to the scarcity that we felt. And that's kind of what led me down the finance path. And I was good at it. And I was successful. And I was not happy. I was not connected. Right? Everything for me is about connection. I wasn't connected to the work I was doing. And I kept trying to find different ways to find that point of connection, doing something in a different industry that I loved publishing or doing something consulting because I thought it was like problem solving and helping. And, you know, um, and so I got to this point where I was on this um, kind of corporate social responsibility project and I loved it. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm connected to this. And so I went to the powers at B and said, I'd like to move into your corporate social responsibility arm. And they said, um, you want to give up client work? And I said, yes, I do. You know, <laughs> um, I did this not knowing that there had been three rounds of layoffs. I did this in 2001, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I was in round four. Um, but it wasn't because um, I, I, it was because they actually eliminated the position. They came back and they said, yeah, I looked into it. And that was one of the positions that we've eliminated. So knowing I didn't want to be in doing client work, I was in the next round of layoffs. So that's a little bit of the backstory. Um, and so what happened was because I'm a connector, it's actually the first story I tell in the book is about being laid off and about landing on my feet and starting a new job exactly one week from the day I was notified. Wow. Which is crazy fast. Yeah, it is. It and is. It, it wasn't luck. It was because of my connector's mindset. Um, and because when I called my friend to tell them the day after I got laid off, the response was, come work here. I mean, like, I called to say, let's go get a drink. I need a drink, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I ended up getting a job. And so while I was working on the trading floor, which is where I went, um, I was the only woman on that trading floor. And I was reporting to the treasurer of the bank. And that treasurer got promoted to be the CEO of Tokyo. So I went out to Tokyo and brought a coach with me. Uh, and I did everything that she did and then some. So I landed still back in finance, still not loving life, but like, you know, happy I had a job. <laughs> um, and and this experience of going out to Japan and, and helping transition these traders and bankers to report to this New York-based CEO, I was like, I'm good at this. I'm like, I, I enjoyed this. And so the same thing I did when I had that feeling at the last job, I went to somebody and said, hey, and I strongly encourage you to do that. Even though the first time it didn't necessarily work out in a way for me, it really did because it gave me the kind of um, impetus I needed or the kick in the rear I needed to figure it out. And I always say my life started when I got laid off. Yeah. Um, and so I went to the CEO at the end of the week of being in Japan and said, I could do that. And he clarified, he's like, so you want to do this and this? I'm like, yep. And he said, okay, you still have to do all this other stuff. I said, okay. <laughs> and there and you go. 
And that's how the transition started. And so when he wanted training done, he would send me to learn the topic he wanted, whether it was feedback or um, public speaking or interviewing, like all the skills that he wanted taught. He would go send me to learn it and then design an internal based course and teach it in New York and Tokyo. And so I got to do that while still doing everything I had to do for finance. Is uh, the reason why I love this story is because th this is th this is the part of the podcast a lot of listeners normally relate to. It's it's that that part where you realize that you can go to another level and you ask yourself, what am I going to do? And that what am I going to do question usually the answer to that question usually is what defines us for good or bad, uh, for better or worse rather. <laughs> My grammar teacher would have, would have hated me for better or worse. <laughs> and. Uh, I haven't been, I've been in a position, I've been fired twice. Um, and a lot of times at that moment, you, you know, you feel really low, you feel unworthy sometimes. And then you're like, what's next? Or sometimes you stay there and then you wonder what to do. And I love the fact that for you, connecting really started with connecting with yourself, right? Once you connected with yourself, your higher self, your highest self, you were able to learn how to connect your way up to the career that you do now. And that is the importance. I think that's that's the ultimate key message of what you're doing today. It's it's you're taking, connecting, and you're moving it beyond the typical, um, like I said, happy hour earlier. You're talking about this as a life skill. This is yeah. a, a necessary uh, tool to have the best life that you want to have. I love how you just frame that because, um, you know, as a speaker, people are often asked what you speak on. And I have like, you know, six different speech titles. But what I speak about is connection. And mm -hmm. that connection is is in all areas of your life. Are you connecting to your team? Are you a connected leader? Are you yeah. creating a connected culture in your organization? Are you connected to your network? Are you connected to your personal brand? Yeah. Are you getting connected so you can get ahead? I mean, it's all the different ways in which connection is important. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason I, I, I resonate with you so much because I feel like I'm talking to uh, <laughs> to, to someone that's like, uh, like uh, I kept connected to, to for lack of a better word. I feel like it's a, it's a kindred kindred soul because this is exactly um, what I do, albeit a little different with uh, the, the the tools that I, I um, that I use and the organizations I talk to. But I'm always asking that question: Hey, who are you connected to, and are you connected to yourself first? Because I, I'm often brought in when we have high conflict situation, shall we say, mm -hmm. or we, we need more, you know, it's politics or we need more people to, to, to be inclusive. And to your point, everything you said today, uh, it's just, it, it starts there. It really starts there. So thank you so much for that. My pleasure. <laughs> where can, where can yeah. people find your book? I, I'm so excited. Oh, sorry. Were you going to say something? No. Um, I, I was just saying we, we are very aligned in our thinking. Yes, I think so too. I think so too. And uh, in order for people to be aligned with you, where can they find you? They The best place to start is my website, which is Michelle with two L's, Tillis, T-I-L-L-I-S, Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. And from there, you can find my YouTube channel. I have uh, success shorty videos, and that shorty is because they're short, but also because I'm short. Uh, <laughs> uh, they can find my blog. So I have probably two or 300 different articles I've written um, helping people with connection, with career, with um, 
uh, all you'll see there's categories on the blog that you can check out. Um, you can link into me. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and all those other places, but link, LinkedIn is really a place I spend the most time. Um, do tell me that you heard me here because I love to know how somebody finds me. Um, and you can also go to the connectorsadvantage.com. I actually have something I call a BOGO, but my BOGO is buy one, gift one. And the idea is a great way to connect with somebody is to give them the gift of connection. Um, and it's a reason to reach out. And when you do that, I give you gifts as well. And so I have some great trainings um, and some chapters of my other books and things that you get for free when you do the BOGO. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure that we put out that in the show notes. This has been a real pleasure of sorts. And and. I can't let you go without asking you this question. This is my final question. And it's my mission statement, which is uh, the title of, of uh, my book, which is coming out. It's just use your difference to make a difference. So how do you, Michelle Tillis Letterman, <laughs> how, do you use your, how do you use your difference to make a difference? Um, it's interesting when, because you know, I was just talking about my success shorties. I think one of the things that is a little different about me is that I'm four foot 10. Um, and I think... Oftentimes I've had people come up to me and say, like in the surprise tone of voice, oh my God, you're really short. You know? <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Um, or you didn't seem that small on stage or things like that. Right. And so I think what it helps people recognize is that it isn't about um, the space we take up, but it's how we take up the space. Wow. It isn't about the space we take up, but it's how we take up the space. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. we can show up the way we want to show up, no matter what we are bringing into the room. Like it's determining what you want to bring into the room and how you want to show up in the room. Wow. <laughs> wow. That just, that just, uh, that just, uh, you know, arrested me there for a little bit. That is so deep. I appreciate that. That is a great reminder too. Um, it was a really so good much. question. You had, you made me think. <laughs> <laughs> well, so did you. So did you. Um, I love that so much. Thank you so much, uh, Michelle, for coming on the show. This is, I'm sure the book is already doing well, Stone Gangbusters, and I know it's going to continue to change people's lives. So I can't wait to share this more and more. But thank you for spending uh, this time out of your busy schedule with me today. Thanks for having me on. The pleasure is mine. And ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.